listening to Talk Geek to Me News, number 79, recorded for Wednesday, October the 24th, 2012. You are listening to the tech-only Hacker Public Radio edition. To get the full podcast, including political commentary and other controversial topics, please visit www.talkgeektome.us. Here are the vital statistics for this program. Your feedback matters to me. Please send your comments to dg at deepgeek.us. The webpage for this program is at www.talkgeektome.us. You can subscribe to me on Identica as the username DeepGeek, or you could follow me on Twitter. My username there is DGTGTM, as in Deep Geek Talk Geek to Me. And now the tech roundup. From EFF.org, dated October 22, 2012, by Hani Fakuri and Trevor Tim. Stingrays, the biggest technological threat to cell phone privacy you don't know about. On Friday, EFF and the ACLU submitted an amicus brief in United States versus Rig Maiden, a closely filed case that has enormous consequences for individuals' Fourth Amendment rights in their home and on their cell phone. As the Wall Street Journal explained today, the technology at the heart of the case invades the privacy of countless innocent people that have never even been suspected of a crime. Rig Maiden centers around a secretive device that federal law enforcement and local police have been using with increased frequency. An International Mobile Subscriber Identity Locator, or IMSI Catcher. These devices allow the government to electronically search large areas for a particular cell phone signal, sucking down data on potentially thousands of innocent people along the way, while attempting to avoid many of the traditional limitations set forth in the Constitution. The Stingray is a brand name of an IMSI catcher targeted and sold to law enforcement. A Stingray works by masquerading as a cell phone tower to which your mobile phone sends signals to every 7 to 15 seconds whether you are on a call or not and tricks your phone into connecting to it. As a result, the government can figure out who, when, and to where you are, calling the precise location of every device within range and with some devices even capture the content of your conversations. Given the breadth of information that it can stealthily obtain, the government prefers the public and judges alike not know exactly how stingrays work. And they have even argued in court that it should be able to keep its use of the technology secret. The Electronic Privacy Information Center has filed a FOIA request for more information on stingrays, but the FBI is dragging its feet and is sitting on 25,000 pages of documents explaining the device. In Rig Maiden, the government asked a federal judge in Northern California to order Verizon to assist in locating the defendant, who was suspected in a tax fraud scheme. But after they received an order telling Verizon to provide the location information of an air card they thought to be the defendant's, the government took matters into their own hands. They claimed this authorization somehow permitted its own use of a stingray. Not only did the Stingray find the suspect, Rig Maiden, but it also got the records of every other innocent cell phone users nearby. The government now concedes that the use of the device was a search under the Fourth Amendment and claims it had the warrant, despite the fact that 
As we explain in our brief, the order directs Verizon to provide the government with information and assistance, but nowhere authorizes the government to search or seize anything. In fact, the government's application made no mention of an IMSI catcher or a stingray, and only has a brief sentence about its plans buried at the end of an 18-page declaration. The mobile tracking equipment ultimately generates a signal that fixes the geographic position of the target broadband access card cellular telephone. A judge initially signed off on this order, but clearly the government did not accurately and adequately explain what it was really up to. Beyond the government's conduct in this specific case, there is an even broader danger in law enforcement using these devices to locate suspects. Regardless of whether they explain the technology to the judges, these devices allow the government to conduct broad searches amounting to general warrants, the exact type of search the Fourth Amendment was written to prevent. A stingray, which could potentially be beamed into all the houses in one neighborhood looking for a particular signal, is the digital version of the pre-revolutionary war practice of British soldiers going tour to tour, searching Americans' homes without rationale or suspicion, let alone judicial approval. The Fourth Amendment was enacted to prevent these generals' fishing expeditions. As the Supreme Court has explained, a warrant requires probable cause for all places searched and is supposed to detail the scope of the search to ensure nothing is left to the discretion of the officer executing the warrant. But if uninformed courts approve the unregulated use of stingrays. They are essentially allowing the government to enter into the home via a cellular signal at law enforcement's discretion and rummaging at will without any supervision. The government can't simply use technology to upend centuries of constitutional law to conduct a search they would be prevented from doing physically. To read the rest of this article, follow links in the show notes. From torrentfreak.com, dated October 18, 2012, by Enigmax, new mega upload will deflect copyright liability and become raid proof. This week, the hottest story in file sharing was the announcement that the Pirate Bay had boosted its security by migrating its operation into the cloud. Performance and cost issues aside, the main aim of the site is to have as much uptime as possible, and that necessarily involves not getting raided. The site's operators believe they have that covered. Just a day later, and another famous file-sharing operation is preparing for its relaunch with similar issues in mind, albeit from a different angle. The return of Mega Upload, or rather Mega as it will be called, will have an eye firmly placed on security to ensure not only a completely legal operation, but one that is almost immune to shutdown. Speaking with Wired, Kim.com, and business partner Matthias Ortman have been outlining how encryption will strengthen Mega's safe harbors. Before users upload their files to Mega, they will be encrypted using the AES algorithm. Users will then be provided with a unique decryption key giving them sole responsibility for who can have future use of the file. Not only does this ensure complete security, 
and privacy for users' files, Mega will have no knowledge of any encrypted file's contents at any stage, effectively deflecting any future accusation that they were aware of how their service was being used. But, of course, none of this can protect Mega from the kind of act-first, worry-later strategy employed by the U.S. government when it raided Mega Upload in January. So, to counter that kind of threat, Mega will employ some technical countermeasures, including placing sets of servers in separate countries. Quote, so even if one country decides to go completely berserk from a legal perspective and freeze all servers, for example, which we don't expect because we're fully complied with all the laws of the countries we place servers in, or if a natural disaster happens, there's still another location where all the files are available, Ortman explained. This way, it's impossible to be subjected to the kind of abuse that we've had in the U.S., he adds. To read the rest of this article, follow the links in the show notes. From EFF.org, dated October 5, 2012, by Jillian York, EFF condemns arrest of prominent Cuban bloggers. EFF is deeply concerned to hear of the arrest of Cuban dissident blogger Yoni Sanchez along with her husband, journalist Rinaldo Escobar, and blogger Augustin Diaz. According to reports, the trio was arrested in the eastern province of Bayamo, where they had traveled to attend the trial of a Spanish political activist facing vehicular homicide charges in the crash that killed democracy activists Oswaldo Pea and Harold Capero. The purpose of Coromero's visit to Cuba was to meet with human rights activists. The official reason for their arrest is currently unknown. Global Voices has compiled reactions to the arrest from Cuban bloggers. Sanchez has become one of Cuba's most prominent bloggers over the years, winning several awards and being named the Time Magazine's 100 Most Influential People in 2008. Due to Cuba's tight restrictions on Internet use, she has often relied upon networks outside of the country to publish her posts. Sanchez has repeatedly been denied permission to leave the country. We join the Committee to Protect Journalists in condemning the arrest of the three bloggers and call on Cuban authorities to release Sanchez, Escobar, and Diaz immediately. From TorrentFreak.com by Nigmax, dated October 16, 2012. DMC notice forces 1,450,000 education blogs offline. The DMCA gives rights holders a mechanism through which they can have content or links to content removed from the Internet if they infringe on their copyrights. Google alone receives millions of these kinds of requests every year, and to be fair, a majority appear to play by the rules. However, the system, or rather, the way it is being played, is clumsy. Every week we're seeing wrongful takedowns, including those designed to hurt free speech, stifle dissenting voices, and some that are just overly aggressive and totally blind to the collateral damage they can cause. Today we see the DMCA takedown that fits squarely in the later category. It involves a publisher, Pearson, and the operator of WordPress information resource WPMU Dev, or EduBlogs, described as the oldest and second largest WordPress multi-site setup on the web. According to the company's stats, EduBlogs have more than 
1,451,000 teacher and student blogs online, but last week, due to the DMCA action by Pearson and a massive overreaction by EduBlog server host Server Beach, every single one of them was taken offline. The problem? Five years ago, an EduBlog user called Clive published a copy of the Beck's Hopelessness Scale, a product to which Pearson owns the copyright. One of our teachers in 2007 had shared a copy of Beck's Hopelessness Scale with his class, a 20-question list totaling some 279 words, published in 1974, that Pearson would like you to pay $120 for, Edubl founder and CEO James Farmer explains. However, instead of simply contacting EduBlogs with their takedown notice, Pearson contacted Server Beach instead. This tactic of contacting hosts of websites instead of the sites themselves is becoming more widespread. A developing strategy of anti-piracy companies is to cause as much aggravation as possible with their takedown notices to make hosting difficult for anyone deemed to be an infringer. Whether Pearson follows this strategy is unknown, but if they wanted to cause a lot of trouble with this notice, it definitely worked, despite EduBlogs complying with the notice. So we looked at the infringing blog, figured that whether or not we liked it, Pearson were probably correct about it, and as it hadn't been used in the last five years, splogged the site so that the content was no longer available and informed Server Beach, says Farmer. However, Farmer serves that Server Beach detected that the offending blog was still in the EduBlog's web cache, and even though it was inaccessible to the public, responded with the following notice. And enclosed is a picture of the notice. A few hours later, Server Beach took action not to shut down just the offending blog, but to take the whole EduBlog's operation offline a total of more than 1.45 million blogs. That's a huge number of people affected, even if each blog has just a single reader. The blogs were eventually restored, but now there is some debate over who said what to who and when. Farmer says that Server Beach now inform him that they tried to contact EduBlogs ten days earlier via an automated system, but Farmer denies they received anything. To read the rest of this article, follow links in the show notes. From TechDirt.com by Mike Masnick, dated Friday, October 19, 2012. Schools suspend students for finding racy photo teacher accidentally put on their iPads. We've seen schools that ridiculously blame and suspend their students for videotaping misdeeds by staff or faculty. But this latest story is really bizarre. A female middle school teacher in Anderson, Indiana, somehow, and the details are not at all clear, put a racy photo of herself onto a school-issued iPad that students were using. They found the photo, and the school suspended the students. Again, the details are pretty hazy. The photo was described by one of the students as a topless photo, but a police report on the incident said it was from the neck down with partial exposure. At the link above, Cash Hill suggests this sounds more like, quote, a classic no-face, no-shirt shot that involved a bra and possible cleavage, 
but no actual nudity, unquote. It is also not entirely clear how it got onto the iPad, though the suggestion is that it may have had something to do with Apple's iCloud syncing across devices. It's entirely possible that the teacher used her own account for her own iPhone and the school iPad, leading to the images from her phone syncing to the iPad. No matter what, it makes no sense that the students are suspended and may face even more punishment. Quote, those students have been suspended and threatened with expulsion, unquote. The students, quite reasonably, are infuriated at this. Quote, it's not our fault that she had the photo on there, Trout said. We couldn't do anything not to look at it. If it just popped up when he pressed the button, it was her fault that she had the photo on there. Her iPhone synced to it. She had to have pressed something to make all of her photos sync on there. Unquote. When asked about it, the school district's assistant superintendent, Beth Clark, told the media, the student's punishment will not be changed. Hopefully, the students will seek to get the suspension overturned in some way, because based on the details, this seems absolutely ridiculous. Other headlines in the news. To read these articles, follow links in the show notes under the Other Headlines section. Pirate Bay moves to the cloud, becomes raid-proof. The Command Line Podcast, 10-16-2012. Interview with Corey Doctrow over the new novel, Pirate Cinema. A Tale of Two Countries. New Zealand apologized for illegal domestic spying, while U.S. still refuses to acknowledge NSA's warrantless wiretapping. News from techdirt.com, rawstory.com, IcelandReview.com and AllGov.com used under arranged permission. News from TorrentFreak.com and EFF.org used under permission of the Creative Commons by Attribution License. News from DemocracyNow.org used under permission of the Creative Commons by Attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license. News sources retain their respective copyrights. Thank you for listening to this episode of Talk Geek to Me. Here are the vital statistics for this program. Your feedback matters to me. Please send your comments to dg at deepgeek.us. The webpage for this program is at www.talkgeektome.us. You can subscribe to me on Identica as the username DeepGeek, or you could follow me on Twitter. My username there is dgtgtm, as in DeepGeek. Talk Geek to Me. This episode of Talk Geek to Me is licensed under the Creative Commons Attribution Share Like 3.0 Unpoured License. This license allows commercial reuse of the work as well as allowing you to modify the work so long as you share alike the same rights you have received under this license. Thank you for listening to this episode of Talk Geek to Me. You have been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by a HBR listener like yourself. If you ever considered recording a podcast, then visit our website to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club. HBR is funded by the Binary Revolution at binrev.com. All BinRev projects are proudly sponsored by Lunar Pages. 
From shared hosting to custom private clouds, go to LunarPages.com for all your hosting needs. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike 3.0 license.